Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The problem in the marriage is always both people. Usually one more than the other, but it's both. So when God begins to deal with you, he'll deal with you. He'll deal with me. And when a person says to me, there's really nothing wrong with me, it's all my spouse. To be very honest with you, unless that changes, nothing's going to change in that marriage. That person is totally deceived. Because we're both humans, and we both have flaws. We need God's help to fix it. Marriage in our world today has drifted far from what God intended. The Lord designed marriage to be a practical representation of His love for the church. Today, Pastor Mark shows how our world, Christians included, has failed to represent Christ's love appropriately in marriage. Marriage is much less about what you can receive from your spouse, much more about what you can give to your spouse. Are you willing to accept and turn from your shortfalls as a husband or wife and see your marriage improve today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he continues his message entitled, God Cares for Your Marriage. What do you expect from marriage? If you're single this morning, what are your expectations? If you're married today, what do you think a marriage is supposed to look like? Should the expectations of a Christian be the same as a non-Christian? What in the world should we expect from marriage? Well, marriage and the family have a problem in the United States and the world. You're well aware that hardly a day goes by that we don't read or hear about another negative statistic relating to marriage and the family. You're also aware that Satan points his guns and attacks the home, which is none other than the foundation of our society. You see, God designed the home to be our foundation. And the breakdown of the family is destroying the very fabric of the society here in the U.S. and around the world. Look at these statistics that are fairly recent. In 2005, married couples became a minority. The fabric, the foundation of a home has become a minority of all American households for the very first time in all of history. Second, less than 25% of marriages in the United States are made up of a mother 
and a dad who have children from that union. That means 75% of the marriages are not one husband, one wife with children from that union. 75%. And for the very first time in 2005, 51% of the women here in America said they were living without a spouse. In that article, Emily, a 32-year-old who lives in Manhattan, said, well, she wasn't surprised by this trend. She said, a lot of my friends are divorced or single or living alone. She said, I know a lot of people in their 30s who simply have live-in roommates. Emily herself has lived with two different boyfriends, never married over a considerable period of time. But now listen to what Emily says. I don't plan to live with anyone else again until I'm finally married. So twice she's learned that's stupid. It hasn't helped her. It's been devastating. So finally she said the next time I'm going to get married, that's good. But then listen to this. And even then after I'm married, I may opt to keep a place of my own. What is up with that? Married but still have my place of my own? Well, look at the statistics. I know this well because I've been to Europe many, many times. In Europe, marriage is basically destroyed. Basically, there's no marriage in Europe at all. If you go to Sweden, everybody lives together. Nobody gets married. Well, it's everywhere. And, And notice, why is the marriage covenant? being destroyed because of this television truth. Last year, 94% of all sex on TV was between two people outside of marriage. You see, God says in Hebrews 13, the marriage bed is to be undefiled. And so 94% of the television sex is couples living together one night stands, not married, adulterous affairs, or homosexual men relationships, lesbian women relationships, all of them defined by God as sin, ungodly, can't constitute a home, but 94%, that means 6% of the television sex was a man and a woman who are married. 6%. And we wonder why this thing called marriage is simply gone. I'd like to say to you this morning that that's not true in the church. That the Christian church doesn't have a problem with divorce or sex outside of marriage or or affairs or homosexuals or lesbians, but that, that is not true. The Christian church, by and large, you, have the same issues as the world. And the reason is really three. One, many people do not know at all what the Bible says about marriage. Most people don't have a clue what the Bible says about marriage. Now, those people who do know what the Bible says in the church, a great percentage of those people simply don't agree with it or don't abide by it. They don't live by it. And then, of course, the third reason we have trouble with marriage is because of, well, Christians enter marriage with unrealistic 
expectations. We gave you one already. But if you're here as a single this morning, or you're married, what do you think marriage is going to be like? What kind of expectations do you have for it? Does the Bible give us any in a moment? But here's seven this morning of unrealistic expectations. And uh, some of them are a little funny, except people believe them. Number one, my partner is everything I've ever dreamed a spouse should be. That will last about three days into the honeymoon. (laughs) How many of you know that's true? Okay. Number two, and by the way, number two is why all of these these romance books are sold. Here it is. The key to long-term marital success is romantic love. That's an unrealistic expectation. Number three, you've already heard this one. They lived happily ever after. Number four, maybe the, the most difficult one of all is this one. Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm marrying another Christian. We're not going to have any trouble in our marriage because we have two Christians. It's going to be absolutely perfect. Wrong. Number four, being a Christian solves all marriage problems? Not a chance. Linda and I have been married 40 years. We still struggle from time to time. Number five, I can change my spouse. You can actually turn your cell phone off quicker than you can change (laughs) your spouse. Number six, oh, here's one. Men and women are basically the same. No, men are from, and women are from, but marriage is made in heaven. (laughs) Number seven, my partner can and will meet all my needs. Let me spend a moment on this one. You see, when you were created, the only person that can meet all of your needs is Jesus Christ. If you're here today and not yet a believer and married, oh, you can have a good marriage, but you'll never, ever, ever have a healthy marriage. Because your spouse cannot meet the needs that God can meet. I have a wonderful wife, and I believe I'm a pretty good husband, but I can't meet all the needs that she has to have met. God meets those. And so as you understand this, if you're here today, at the end of the service, you're not a Christian That's the place you start. Because other than that, these things are simply, well, they're unrealistic. Many enter marriage with this false euphoria that, well, everything is going to be great except they discover one thing after they're married. Their spouse is just as selfish as they are. And that's true for all of us. But today the Bible gives us a realistic manual on life. It tells us what we can expect, how it's going to work, and how we can get our help. Now, in this service this morning, maybe you're like in the Bible, a woman with who had been married five times and failed and was now living with someone, or maybe you're like a man or woman today, you're right in the middle of this service and here on Vieira and you're you're having an affair. Nobody knows. Or maybe you're a single and you're about to give up hope. There's just no hope you've ever finding a Christian spouse. Or maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you've been trying everything you can do to change and make your marriage help 
just healthy, but nothing is working. Or you're a divorced dad or mom here in Vieira, and you don't really understand how life can get any more difficult than it is. You see, no matter where you find yourself today, I have hope for you. The Bible is filled with hope. And all we have to do is go back to the drawing board and say, okay, God, how did you design marriage? What in the world is it supposed to look like? Whether I'm single, been divorced five times, separated, living in an affair, homosexual tendencies, lesbian tendencies. What in the world am I supposed to do? Maybe you've been married 30 years and you're a Christian and you know you're never going to divorce, but home is hell. And you sit here with no hope this morning. Well, that's because you've been listening to Satan, not to God. God never designed our marriages to fail. Will they be hard work? Absolutely. For how long? Till you're in the grave. (laughs) And then your spouse will try with a new one. (laughs) And I told my wife, it's going to get worse. I'm not too bad. (laughs) Am I saying the truth? I'm saying the truth. Because marriage is tough. But it's designed not to be hell in the home. It's designed to be a little picture of heaven on earth with difficulty, obviously. So here's the first thing you want to write. Vieira, you write it as well. God's expectations are realistic and always possible for every Christ follower. In other words, if you love God, these expectations God have, they're not unrealistic. They're not like this pie in the sky deal. Only Billy Graham can do it or whatever. Goodness, no. They started with Adam and Eve, and they're continuing for you and I today. In Psalm 127, where you've turned, let me give you the first expectation that God has. These are realistic now. Number one, God expects to build our marriages as he designed. God doesn't expect you to build your marriage without him. He designed the marriage. You have to be part of that design. Notice Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. So what does that mean? When God begins to build a house, his desire is to build a house with both spouses already Christ followers. Already have a relationship. So that's really what dating is. If you're dating today and you're a Christ follower, you never date an unbeliever. Because if you never date an unbeliever, you'll never marry an unbeliever. If you marry an unbeliever and you're a believer, you've already gone against God's word. And nothing good will happen. But Pastor Mark, I'm in love. Nothing good will happen. Well, if I can just get them to church, then it's going to be okay. Nothing good will happen. They have to be a Christ follower. They have to love God. That's the problem. Don't ever date a non-believer. You find out a person that's a believer, that loves Christ, that's the foundation of a home, a man and a woman. Now, some of you came to Christ later. You got married. You have a fairly good marriage. Both of you are unbelievers. Today, one of you become a Christian. Maybe your spouse is not. What do you do? First Corinthians 7 says you stay in the marriage. 
Because hopefully, as that unbelieving spouse looks at your life, they see joy and peace, and they go, I'd like to finally become a believer. That's the goal. So we stay where we're at. It isn't ideal. Sometimes we didn't know about Christ until later in our lives. And of course, we can't change it and go back. We stay where we're at. So rather than focusing on how you would like your spouse to change, when God begins to build our marriages, the only change that he wants to make is with you and with your spouse. Very often in our counseling sessions with the pastors, couples come in, and here's the kind of words we hear quite often. I give both couples a chance to say something and what they think and what's wrong, and here's what normally you hear quite often. Well, if my spouse would change, I mean, everything's fine with me. If my spouse would change, the marriage would be fine. And, And they go like this. So I just take my little ruler out, and I break both of their fingers right at the end, just like that. So think twice about trying to come in and counsel with me. Because then they, got, they can't do this. And it points back to them. See, that's why I break their fingers. If you wonder if people have sore knuckles, you, they've been to counseling with me. Now, why do I do that? Because God isn't going to deal with your spouse through you. God's going to deal with you. The problem in the marriage is always both people. Usually one more than the other, but it's both. So when God begins to deal with you, he'll deal with you. He'll deal with me. And when a person says to me, there's really nothing wrong with me, it's all my spouse, to be very honest with you, unless that changes, nothing's going to change in that marriage. That person is totally deceived. Because we're both humans, and we both have flaws, and we need God's help to fix it. Now, when God designed marriage, he designed it with five keys. Here's a picture of how a marriage looks like. This is what a marriage looks like. It's the triangle of marriage. It's God at the head. In other words, we follow. In Vieira, we follow the word. God's design, not our design, not Hollywood's design. Here in Melbourne, we follow the word. Husband and wife both have a relationship with God. Marriage was, number one, designed by God. Two, marriage was designed by God to be a threesome. That was a picture you just saw. You see, Ecclesiastes says this, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So it isn't a man and a wife. It's a man and a wife with God, and this cord is built, and it's not easily broken. You see, the husband and wife and God make up that, that successful home that's tied together by God. Number three, marriage was designed by God to be monogamous. When God made Adam and Eve, he didn't make Adam and Eve and Jane and Susie and whatever, or three guys. It's one man and one woman. Number four, marriage was designed by God to be heterosexual. The very first command God gave, listen, was to replenish, refill the earth. The very first command God gave. God did not make two men or two women because two men cannot replenish the earth. Two women cannot replenish the earth. Only a man with sperm and a woman with an egg can replenish the earth. Any other design is an abomination to God. Now, that's not politically correct, but that's biblically correct. We love the sinner, but we will not tolerate the sin. Number five, marriage was designed by God to be permanent. It wasn't this flighty deal irreconcilable differences. Hello. If you're married, you have 
irreconcilable differences forever. Am I right? They just don't go away. By design, you're incompatible. God has a great sense of humor, and that's why he put us together. So we can learn to put up with that. Number two, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Number two, God expects, here's his expectation. Remember, God expects to help us maintain our marriages. Marriages are made in heaven, but they're absolutely lived here on earth. So I have to realize, I have to depend on God's help for my marriage. And of course, if you're a non-believer, you'll never depend on God's help. You see, Satan is out to destroy your marriage today. I have to fight for my marriage. When I've been married 40 years, I still have to fight for my marriage. So does Linda. Because Satan's against it. Do you understand how many people you do know in the 50s and what you hear from is, well, they've been married 33 years and they're getting the divorce. They've been married 42 years and they're getting the divorce. They've been married 50 years. and What? They forgot the principle we're going to read in Matthew, that we always have to fight for our marriages. Look at Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... In other words, I have to hear the word, and then I have to change. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation in the rock. So that means as a Christian, the winds are going to come, the water's going to come up. I mean, the storm is going to be against me. Satan is out to destroy my marriage. But if I listen to the word of God and I practice the word of God, my house stands. That's why I'm still married today after 40 years. Because I and my wife made a commitment to follow God's word. Are we perfect? Far from it. That's why we still have struggles. James says, why are there arguments? It's because we're selfish. I want my own way. You see, you, you mean my pastor wants his own way? Yeah, just like you. I'm no different than you. So I have to fight that. Now, what happens if I hear the word? What happens if you leave this building today or up in the air, you hear it, but you don't obey it? There's disaster coming. Look at verse 26. But everyone who hears the words of mine, in other words, they know the biblical principles, but does not put them into practice. Number one, fool. You're foolish. Because you like building your house in the sand. The rain came, same storm. The streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house. Satan came, beat against the house, but because you don't obey God's word, it fell. Now with a small crash, you're devastated. God's design for marriage remains the same, but man's representation of it has only gotten worse over time. Today, Pastor Mark spoke on the lack of responsibility even Christians have shown to meet God's expectations for marriage. Like most things in life, mankind has looked just for what he can receive from marriage. The Lord's purpose is far greater. He calls you to humbly serve your spouse without anything expected in return. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Do you have the proper view of marriage? Do you view your relationship with your spouse as a contract or a covenant? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will elaborate on the major differences of each. As a Christian husband, you should be gladly accepting the responsibility to love and protect your wife. And as a Christian wife, you should be gladly accepting the responsibility to love and protect your husband. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear